Here we go. Identity theft part three, John chapter 15, verse one. He says this, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples at the Last Supper. He said, I am the vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You, verse three, are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you, and no branch can bear fruit by itself. It has to remain in the vine, and neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Um, I'm pretty sure Jesus could have said those first four verses in just one verse. Anybody notice that he feels like he's saying the same thing repeatedly? Good news. He continues the message with the same point. Verse five, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are a branch that will be thrown away and it withers. And such branches are picked up and thrown in the fire to be burned. But if you remain in me and the word that I have spoken over your life, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Can I just pause and say, it is not whatever you wish, but whatever you desire you have when it comes to the kingdom of God. Uh, some of you want a Maserati. Sorry about that. That's not God's desire for you. <laughs> And so when he says, whatever you ask, it's always aligned with the kingdom. This is to my father's glory, verse eight. This is to my father's glory so that you will bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Here's what I wanna do in our time. I wanna speak to all my friends in the room who feel like they are called to do great things in this world. How many of you in this room feel like you've been called by God to do great things in this world? I can see that I have some work to do today. So the, the rest of you, 75% of you, I also wanna to speak to you today because you may feel like you're living with a deficit. And I want you to know that powerlessness is not genetically modified or pre-wired within you. That God has already given you the power that you need to do greater things in this world. It's already in you. If you don't get anything else that you just say that today, it's already in me. So I wanna give you a picture for the title of my message today. And uh, it's pretty cool. This is on my car next to my oil change sticker. And it says, I am already. I am already. And uh, good news for you, wherever you're watching from, at least in Beaver Creek, maybe in Ironton, uh, you can leave today and get these stickers. You can put them in your car next to the place where you get your oil change. So that way, for those of you who forget that you need to get an oil change, it'll also be a good reminder. But we've said that these are the two most powerful words you can speak in your life, I am, because that's your identity. And so our goal is that as you put these stickers up, you can just claim the identity that God has put on your life through these. And you would be reminded each day as you drive to work and home and wherever you're going. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, turn to three people and say, I am already, and you can have a seat.
Somebody's right, that's good. Uh, the moment that had, has revolutionized my life in terms of my education uh, didn't happen in college. Uh, it didn't happen in high school. Once you know those guys, you know, things that will change your life don't always happen in high school. Uh, what has revolutionized my life happened in fourth grade. Y'all remember fourth grade? Yeah, yeah. Uh, see, up until this point, uh, grades for me were always about work. They were always about worry. Grades were about studying. Uh, grades were also about praying. A moment of confession. I have spent more time in my life praying for grades than I have studying for grades. <laughs> I had a bus driver once. She told me, she said, Brad, if you would just read God's word more, you would get better grades. And I wanted to tell her at the age of seven, well, the Bible's boring, and I'm not sure that it's any better than studying for the test, so I'll do neither of which. And so I've spent a lot of time praying for grades, wishing for an A when I didn't even study for it. Any of you do that in this room? All right, we got, we got one honest student up here today. But here's where the game changed for me. Because I remember in fourth grade when Mrs. Denlinger, how many of you remember your teacher's name from fourth grade? Wow, you are amazing. Mrs. Denlinger in fourth grade got up in front of the class on the first day and she said, with me, you start with an A. That's good news, isn't it? You start with an A. And then she followed it up with this statement. She said, now it's yours to keep or yours to lose, but either way, you start with an A. And this really changed my mindset about how somebody perceived me and believed in me. Because up to this point, I was like a B student, maybe a C student. Occasionally midterm, I would have an F and my parents would have to encourage me. And, uh, and so I believed in my life that I actually wasn't good enough or smart enough to get an A. I actually didn't believe that there was something great inside of me to achieve great grades. And for the first time in my life, I had a teacher stand up in front of me and say, yo, you already have an A. You already have an A. And what she was saying in that moment was, you are capable of an A. You are smart enough for an A. You are determined enough for an A. You are worthy of an A. And for the first time, I didn't have to prove that I was smart enough to get an A. She just believed that it was already inside of me. It was already in me. I wonder if you've had a time in your life where you felt like you didn't have to prove anything. You ever had somebody see something in you that you didn't see in yourself? You ever had somebody believe in you in a moment when you didn't believe in yourself? <laughs> I wonder who right now is uh, your friend, your parents, or just some random stranger gave you a check for like $1,000 because they believed that you were worth the financial investment. How many of you have ever been that lucky in your life? I must have really good in-laws and great parents. <laughs> Uh, maybe. All right. That didn't seem to work. So let's try this one. I wonder if you've ever been given a promotion or given an opportunity that you believed was outside your capacity, but then somebody saw something in you that you didn't see in yourself and they promoted you. Man, how many of you have had that experience? Oh man, 
Congratulations to you. I wonder if you've ever built a relationship where you didn't have to prove that you were trustworthy, but it began, it began with trust from the very beginning. Aren't those relationships the best where you're not trying to figure each other out and you're not trying to play mind games and manipulate people? You just start with straight honesty and full trust in that relationship. See, I love it when you don't have anything to prove, but, but they believe in you what you don't believe is in yourself. And, and this is what has begun to change my concept of how I lead and how I understand my relationship with God. And my goal and desire in this moment is to change how you see your relationship with God. Because just like my fourth grade teacher, when it comes to God, yo, you already get an A. You don't have to prove yourself worthy. You don't have to find it. You don't have to fight for it. The beauty of God's kingdom and the beauty of his love is that he sees in you what you don't see in yourself. He believes in you what you don't believe in yourself. When it comes to God and who he is, you start with an A, which means it's all ready in you. You don't have to find it. You don't have to seek it. It's just yours to forfeit, which means it's already inside of you. Everything that you need to do great things in this life that God has called you to is all ready in you. Come on. I got one person celebrating the thing that God has put in their life. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's already in you. It's already in you. If you're online, put it in the chat below today. It's already in you. You're like, hey, what are we, what are we talking about? I'm going to get to that in just a second. But I need you to see that what, what's inside of you doesn't come from you, but it actually comes from God. Because some of us in this moment are striving for something that we think we can do on our own. And we have missed the point that what's in us can only come from him. So I want to go back to John chapter 15, verse one, and I have to have a moment of confession as we begin this time, because uh, when I knew that I was going to preach this passage, I just got to be honest between us. I really didn't want to preach about the vine. I was like, oh, I am the vine. You are the branches. Remain in me. I and you remain in me. Like how many times can you say this, Jesus? I really did not want to preach this passage. And so uh, back, in, back in the day, they taught us, you got to read the chapter before and you got to read the chapter after to give you context. And so I went to verse, chapter 14 and I was like, I kind of like this one because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. And I was like, I kind of like that message and I'd like to preach that one. And God said, well, good news. If you parallel the two, they actually say the exact same thing. And so you can preach both, which means we'll go twice as long. Congratulations. <laughs> So in John chapter 15, verse one, Jesus said, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Then he says in verse three, you are already clean because of the word that I have spoken over you. And then if you flip over to John chapter 14, verse five, Jesus is having a conversation with Thomas and Thomas says to Jesus, like, how do we know the way? How do we know where you are going? And Jesus responded to him in verse six and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the father except through me. Now here's the parallel. If we could just pull out verse, verse one and verse six, what I noticed is that there is this dynamic connection between Jesus the vine 
Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, and the Father, and God, who is the gardener. In each situation, in each verse, there's this connection between the two. And Jesus said, nobody comes to the Father, the gardener, except through the vine, except for the way, the truth, and the life. And as I was reading this passage, I thought, well, why am I trying to gain access to the Father? And then I realized that the reason God sent Jesus, the reason there is a relationship between the two of them is because God is trying to gain full access to your life. See, I thought Jesus was about me gaining full access to the Father. And what Jesus is doing is giving the Father full access to every area of your life so that he can develop it. This is really good. See, Jesus, uh, for some of us, feels like a checklist. He was just a man that lived like 2,000 years ago and he did some really cool things. But, but I need you to hear it. At Be Hope, we don't believe that Jesus was just a man. We believe that Jesus was God. We believe that Jesus is our hope. And we believe that Jesus was the pathway for you understanding the favor of God in your life. Can I tell you, the cross signifies God's belief in you. If God didn't believe that you were capable of doing great things in this world, yo, he wouldn't have died for you. He wouldn't have sent his son for you. God would not have made a way to you in this life if he didn't think that you were worth it, that you were worth it, and you are worth it. And the reason why God wants full access to your life is so that he can do what we see in verse three. What did Jesus say in verse three? He said, I declare over your life that you are all ready clean because of the word I've spoken over you. <laughs> Who's he talking to? There's this weird moment where Jesus is saying to his disciples at this last dinner where he's given all this instruction, you are all ready clean. He is saying, you are guiltless. You are already forgiven. You are already free. You know what's funny? Isn't about a few hours from this time that he says, you are already clean. They leave him. They belittle him. They betray him. They sin against Jesus. And yet before any of the mistakes that they make ever happened in their life, Jesus said to them in their final hours, you are already clean. You already have an A with me, meaning you are already pre-connected to the power of God's forgiveness, even though you're going to screw it up. And this is what you need to hear in this moment is that you are already pre-connected to God's power in your life. See, so many times we say things like, well, I'm reconnecting with God. I'm reconnecting with Jesus. There is a difference between the two. Because pre-connected means you already have. But reconnecting means you have to actually prove. <laughs> Let me show you the difference. Have you ever tried to reconnect with old friends? Why do you reconnect with old friends? Because you had a falling out. And there's so many times when you're trying to reconnect with those friends that you feel like you have to prove yourself to be worthy or trustworthy once again that you could be a good friend. Can we talk about reconnecting 
to Wi-Fi for just a second. Lord have mercy. Give me strength. You ever had a bunch of people over to your house and they're like, what's your Wi-Fi password? And you're like, I'm not giving you the password. I don't know what you're going to do on my internet, but you give it out anyway. And there's like 500 people on your internet and you go up to bed and you're getting ready to watch something from YouTube and you can't get access to the internet because the Wi-Fi went out because everybody's on it and you have to go reconnect. Do you know what you'd have to do to reconnect to Wi-Fi? At least in my house, you got to get out from under the covers. You got to go downstairs. You have to access the modem, which is behind the couch. You have to unplug it for 30 stinking seconds and you have to wait. And then you plug it back in and all the beautiful lights come on and they're flashing green and red and yellow and you're waiting for them all to be green and one is red and you're like, well, that stinks. Now I've got to call the company. And then you call the company and they try to sell you a new package and they try to sell you new hardware and new software and new malware. And I think they sell all kinds of wear because they know it's going to wear out and they're going to have to sell you another thing one more time again. And every time I'm trying to reconnect to Wi-Fi, I got to tell you, I don't feel empowered. I feel powerless because I'm putting in all this effort and I can't seem to get reconnected. And what Jesus is saying to his disciples in this moment is you don't have to prove yourself worthy. You are already pre-connected to the power of God in your life. It's not about how you work. It's about how he is working in your life. Let me make this connection between pre-connecting and reconnecting. Because re, uh, pre-connecting people understand that we acknowledge our original sin. That when we are born into this world, we are born with original sin. But reconnecting people, people who are trying to prove themselves worthy, always say, I am a sinner saved by grace. This has been the most uncomfortable moment out of all three services. <laughs> and when we, when we say, I am a sinner, uh, just a reminder, that is an identity statement that you're making on your life. Sin is something you do, but sin is not who you are. And so we don't proclaim in our lives that I am a sinner we say, I am already saved by God's grace. I am already made clean. And the reason why God already extends his grace into your life is so that you won't use sin as an excuse to live a lesser life than what God desired from you. You are already connected to God's power. His grace is already at work in you. You already have an A with the Father of God. He is already working. He is already moving. He is is already loving. He is already living. He is already leading. Everything that God is doing is already in you. And there is nothing in this world, not death, not sin, not anyone else in this life that could separate you from the love of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You are pre-connected to God's power. I'll try to slow down. Fired up today. Fired up today. But here's what you have to see about being pre-connected. Do, do you remember what my teacher said? Fourth grade, Mrs. Denlinger. She said, with me, you start with an A. Do you remember what she said after that? It's yours to keep and it's yours to lose. 
In the words of your employer, when it comes to your vacation days, you can use it or you can lose it. The power that God has given you in your life is yours to keep or it's yours to lose. And I, wanna, I want you to see something in John chapter 15, verse 5. I'm just going to let you know now, this is the really uncomfortable. You thought it was uncomfortable before. It's going to get uncomfortable right now. Because watch what Jesus says in John chapter 15, verse 5. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. I can hear some of you in this moment. What is fruit? Are we talking about fruit of the loom? Uh, are we talking about oranges and apples and bananas? Like what is fruit? What is Jesus talking about? Because I'm confused on fruit. I hear people talk about fruit all the time and they have a million different things they want to say. It means being a disciple. It means like bringing people to Jesus. It means all these different things. Ironically, thank God, Jesus tells us what fruit is in John chapter 14, verse 12. He said, if you believe in me, the fruit is that you will do the works that I'm doing and you will do even greater things than I did. I feel like we should be jumping up and down right now because Jesus said, you are gonna do greater things than him. I don't know, last time I checked, when's the last time you came back to life? When's the last time you died for the sins of the world? You think you're great because you've got five followers on Instagram? Congratulations, Jesus had the whole world at his feet. And yet he tells you in this moment, you will do greater things than these. But for you to do greater things than what Jesus did, he has to develop you. He's got to develop you. And this is the part, quite honestly, that I don't like. Because in verse 2, he says this. He says, the father, the gardener, who is God, what does he do? What does God do? He cuts off every branch that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes back so that it will be even more fruitful. Um, how many of you understand horticulture and I'm gonna call it bushing, I don't know what else to call it. Trimming. All right, uh, let me say it this way. This is not good. Uh, in the front of my house, I have lavender plants like four of them. And uh, don't owe me, I love lavender, it's so good. So did the bees. Uh, but in this last year, um, part of one of my lavender plants died because it was so hot, you know? And, uh, and I look out and I think, every time I see that thing, man, that's ugly. Like, there's this beautiful part that's growing and it's producing lavender flowers, and, but then there's this dead part. You know what I'm gonna do in the spring? Yo, I'm going to get those trimmers out and I'm going to cut it off, the dead part. But here's the other thing that we haven't thought about. I'm also going to cut back the rest of those flowers so that they will produce more. And this is where we begin to struggle in our lives is because either way you slice it in your life, the cut is coming. Either way you think about it, God is going to cut something in your life and the cut is always uncomfortable. <laughs> no matter where you are and what you're going through, God is either gonna cut you off or he's gonna cut you back. And so I wanna talk about the distinction between the two. Let's talk about cut off for just a second. Why does God 
cut people off from his work and from what he is doing in the kingdom. Why does God cut people off? That seems kind of mean. And what I want you to see is the reason why he cuts people off is because they were once developing, they once had faith, but now they're dead. They were once developing in their life, but now they're no longer producing fruit. Jesus said, anything that does not bear fruit, I will cut it off. And, and what we find is that this is actually a verse that Jesus is using to point to Judas. How many of you know who Judas is? If you're a first church person, Judas, not a good guy. He betrayed Jesus with a kiss. He put him on the cross, paid a lot of money for it. The guy was kind of a jerk. But here's what I find fascinating about Judas. At one point, he was actually called by Jesus. Jesus said, there's something inside of you that I see that you don't see in yourself, and you are called to follow me. And I bet there was a time in Judas' life where he was running the streets, and he was like, yo, there's this Jesus dude. I don't know if you've met him yet, but he's going to do something. I don't know what he's going to do, but he's going to do something powerful and kind of cool. You should come and see all the things that are happening in his life. At what point Judas was developing? At what point Judas was producing fruit in his life. And he went from living out his purpose to looking at the purse that was always in front of him. Yo, Judas had a little piggy bank. You guys have piggy banks too? You count your little pennies one by one. Judas was always counting that money, all about the mo, always about the money. And over time, he became selfish, self-absorbed, and he became toxic to the work that God was doing. What was once developing is now dead. And God cannot allow lukewarm, toxic vines to be a threat to his mission. And the greatest threat to the mission of God is not somebody who is stepping into faith for the first time. If you are new to faith, this is not about you. It's about the mature believers who at one point in their life were developing. You were following God. You were leaning into your faith. You were seeing God do his work and you were seeing the miracles of God. But then something happened. I don't know if it was sickness. I don't know if it was death. I don't know if it was age. But at some point you got sour, bitter, and cold. I know, I told you I'm coming for you today. And instead of using what God has given you, you chose to lose it instead of allowing God to use it. Can I just speak truth in your life? God can't use people who choose their own direction. God can't use people who choose their own way. You know, Jesus says some of the most powerful words he says when he meets people who are needs, what do you want me to do for you? I love that question. That's like a little genie question. What do you want me to do for you? You get three wishes. The words translated mean, do you want what God wants for you? And for those of you who are, who are once developing and now dead, I wanna ask, do you want it as much as God wants it for you? See, the problem is there's probably a point in your life where you say, well, I, I'm just too old for that. I'm done. I know I'm not dead, but I'm done. And I'm gonna let that younger generation take on and they're gonna take the banner and they're gonna do their work. And so I'm just gonna sit back till I die until I go to heaven and just wait. And I want you to know you're no longer developing. You're just dead. You're just dead. But I want you to know if you're not dead, God's not done. 
And the thing that will allow you to step back into the vine that God desires for your life is that you will just want it, that you will desire it, that you will chase it, that you will seek first the kingdom of God and that you would have a passion and a fire and a heart to get excited about the things that God wants to do in this world. You may be dead, but I want you to know God wants to develop you. And so you need to check in. Somebody check in in this moment if you've grown cold. God wants to use what you've chosen to lose. But God also, God also cuts back. God also cuts back. What did he say? He said, every branch that bears fruit, I will prune back so that it will bear more fruit. Why does God cut us back? And so I don't miss this point, and so you can see it right up front. I want you to know it's not dead. It's just developing. See, when you're cut off, it was once developing, but then it's dead. But when God begins to cut you back, you may think it's dead when it's actually developing. See, the, the question I wrestle with is, how do I know when God is cutting me off or God is cutting me back? Because either way you slice it, you're going to get cut. How do I know which, which is which? Because right now, God is cutting back some things in my life, and it kind of feels uncomfortable. And when things feel uncomfortable in our lives, sometimes we don't see the fruit. Sometimes we don't see the work. Sometimes we don't see God moving in our lives. And we believe that God has cut us off. And in relation to that, we just cut him off too. And you think it's dead, but it's really just developing. Where, where do you feel like God has cut you off? I wonder who in the room would say, PB, you don't understand. I have to work for everything that I have and I'm exhausted. How many of you in this room would say, I am exhausted. I'm exhausted with people. I'm exhausted with parenting. I'm exhausted with parents' expectations of my life. I have parents who are checked out. I'm exhausted from this job. Uh, how many of you would say, man, the reason I feel like I'm being cut off is because I got this court case hanging over my head. Don't raise your hand. That's a rhetorical question. Let's be real. Sometimes you have to go to court for some things. Maybe a speeding ticket, maybe a divorce. Maybe you murdered somebody. I don't know why you're going to court. But you got this thing hanging over your head and you feel like this is the thing that's gonna shape your identity for the rest of your life and you believe that God's cutting you off but in this moment, that's not your identity. He's just developing you. He's just getting you ready. I wonder who feels like you're being cut off because, because you get over one thing and it seems like it's another. It's another sickness. It's another heartbreak. It's another rejection. It's another bout of depression. It's just one more thing that I have to go through in my life. And I would guess if you're in this room, you think that God is cutting you off because you think it's dead, but it's not dead. It's just developing. It's just developing. Think about it like this. As a father, with my little guy, they're not little, a father, I, I have to, out of love for my boys, I have to discipline them at times. And the reason I discipline them out of my love is because I want to develop them. Don't look at them. They hate it when you look at them. <laughs> I want to develop them into mighty men of God. And maybe right now God is correcting some things. He is disciplining some things in your life. And he's not cutting you off. He's just cutting you back because he needs to develop new character in your life. See, maybe God needs you to stand firm in this season because God is developing perseverance in your life for the next season. 
maybe, maybe God has put you in a really weighty situation where you feel like you can't handle it so you can develop trust that every time you have these burdens that come on your life, you can pour them onto the God who loves you. It's just developing. See, let me, let me just pick a little bit. Maybe God is cutting back your finances so he can develop you into being a better steward. Maybe God is cutting back or your spouse is cutting back your frivolous spending so you can develop a level of generosity that God desires in your life. Maybe God is cutting back some relationships and some people in your life. And you think it's ending, but God's just developing a perspective for the right person that he wants to bring you to. Oh, that's so good. Maybe you think that God is closing the doors, but really what God is doing is he is showing you not the opportunities that he is closing, but he is giving you a narrowed perspective of where he needs to take you. He is developing you for the future. And what I need you to understand in this moment is that adversity is the price resilient people pay to do greater things in this world. I'm gonna say that again, because that was so good. Adversity, adversity is the price people pay to do greater things for God, which means in this moment, you can't lean on your own strength. You have to remain in the vine. You've got to remain in the way, the truth, and the life. You've got to abide in him. You've got to stay in him. You've got to be connected to him. And even though he's pruning you back, he's just preparing you for the next future. And I want to know in this moment, who's got enough faith to admit, yo, in this season, I'm going to stand firm. In this season, I'm sticking with it. Yo, who's got the boldness in this room to stand up and say, I'm not giving up. I'm not letting go. I'm not going to be shaken. I'm not going to quit. I know it's uncomfortable. I know it's, it's really hard in this season, but I'm going to allow God to work in me in a powerful way so that I can do greater things that God has called me to do. It's not dead. It's just developing. It's just developing. I gotta hurry. I gotta hurry. I gotta hurry. Whew. Sorry, I got a new sweatshirt from our youth pastor for my birthday, and uh, it's really hot. So, <sighs> thanks, Molly B. You're the best. I, I need you to see this church. I, I need you to see this that that, that it's all ready in you. You're like Pastor Brad, what do you want me to do with this message? I just need you to see it and acknowledge it that it's all ready in you. Notice, notice what Jesus says in John chapter 15, verse seven. He said, if you remain in me and you remain in my words, whatever you ask will be done. Jesus said in verse three, he said, you are all ready clean because of the word I have spoken over you. There are, 10 times within this passage that Jesus says in the verses that we read, 10 times, it's about what's in you. It's about being in him. It's about what he has put inside of you. And this is what God has been teaching me in my own life. Let's see if he's ready to come out. You thought I had an animal, didn't you? 
I love supplements. Yeah. I can tell where the athletes are in the room. <laughs> I want to see growth. I want to see gains. I want to see fruit in my life. And, uh, and so I take a lot of this junk. Uh, just to let you know, YouTube, we don't monetize these messages. And so uh, these are not promotional materials. Cheers. But, um, but I take a lot of protein. Like I make a lot of shakes in the morning, a lot of like super smoothie shakes, a lot of protein in my life. This is, this is good stuff. Um, I really like peanut butter, anything peanut butter and chocolate, I'm with it. But these are the fun ones. These are the ones I love. I love a little bit of electrolytes and BCEAs after a workout. Why is that? Because I'm old and I cramp up and I ache a lot. And this really helps with that. I like that stuff. Uh, this is kind of a fun one. Organic beetroot powder. Exactly, it tastes just like dirt. <laughs> uh, but apparently it's uh, supposed to promote blood flow and uh, all these cool things, like more oxygen in your blood so you could work out harder and longer. I don't know, that's what they tell me. This is the fun one for me. Creatine. Woo! We got some creatine fans up in this house. You know, I haven't been on it for the last four weeks, but for the last seven months I was. I tell you, when you're on this stuff, you can run through a wall. You can lift the weight of the world. It's amazing what this will do in your life. But this is what God has been teaching me. Creatine is naturally produced by your body. You know where I'm going with this, church. It's all ready in you. It's already in you. So the question I've been asking, Brad, why do you have to supplement what is already in you? And the reason why I supplement what is already in me is because I don't believe that it's enough. I don't believe that what's in me is enough. And I want you to know that to do great things in this life, God has already put it in you. You don't have to prove it. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to find it. It was in you from the very beginning that God made you. And you are enough. You are enough. Amen. In the beginning, God put it in you. You know what's so fascinating is Jesus says, he says, you are already clean because of the word that I've spoken over you. Isn't it great that scripture says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was God and the word was with God. And what was the word who is God doing in the beginning? In the beginning, it tells us that God was taking soil and dirt and he was taking your nothing and turning it into something that he was breathing life that was nothing at the beginning but now it's something because he breathed into it and i love this word breath in the hebrew means ruach which i love saying because i can spit in the baptismal but, but but god was breathing life into your mess. God was breathing life into your dirt. Do you know what that word also translates as? It means spirit. 
It means spirit, that God was putting his spirit inside of you from the very beginning. It was the same spirit that was hovering over the chaos. It was the same spirit that created this world. It was the same spirit that raised Jesus from the grave. God put his spirit inside of you. Why? So that you could produce fruit so that you could do greater things. And often we think fruit is about bringing people to Jesus. We evangelize, we put out tracks, we do all these crazy things. We invite people to Super Bowl weekend. We do all these nutty things. But maybe the fruit that Jesus was talking about was joy, patience, peace, kindness, election season, gentleness, November, and self control okay we are kingdom people we are jesus people and god has already extended his spirit do you know what we call those things joy peace patience kindness gentleness and self-control we call them fruits of the spirit you see what i did there church that's good isn't it fruits of the spirit and the reason why some of us pray for patience is because we don't believe that what God has put in us is enough. You ever notice this? You pray for joy, you pray for peace, but here's the thing, God already put those things inside of you. It's what God did. He turned your nothing into something. And I need to tell you, church, you're not God. You can't take your nothing and do something. You can't take your nothing and do something great. Uh, your nothing can't become something something because of Ozempic and a little bit of plastic surgery, okay? I know that's a sensitive subject. You may look good, but it's not your identity. You can't take your nothing and turn it into something because of the things that you wear or the number of people who follow you. Uh, men in this room, you can't turn your nothing into something because you think you're tough and rugged and you can fight it out in this life when reality is you're emotionally soft. You, you can't turn your nothing into something because you are relationally connected to powerful people in this world. You can't do anything. You can't turn your nothing into something. Only God is the one who can take nothing from the very beginning, pour his spirit inside of you so that you can do great things, so that you can do something in this life that is powerful and worthy to give God glory. And it's all ready in you. Turn to three people and say, it's already in me. Come on, it's already in me. It's already in me. Declare it over your life. It's already in me. Church, would you stand to your feet? Let's, let's claim a new identity on our lives. Woo, I love this. My students are fired up. For the sake of time, church, if you're watching online, if you're Ironton, if you're in there, let's just all say this together. I am already. I am already designed for greater things in this world. My strength is not my own. My power comes from God who has already placed within me everything I need for impact. Apart from Jesus, I can do nothing. But with Jesus, I can do greater things. Amen? Amen. I appreciate your enthusiasm for what God's going to do.
But as we enter time, I wanna to speak to the person in the room who, who hasn't realized that God has called you to do greater things. The reason why you feel like your life is missing is empty and empty is because, because you're apart from him. And apart from him, you will never find the purpose that God has for you. You will always live a life that is lesser than what God desired. So my greatest desire is today, you would begin to see that God has called you for great things. But it begins by seeing that he has already extended an A to you. He has already given you his forgiveness and his love and his power. And it's yours to use or it's yours to lose. And so maybe today you would make the choice to step into faith for the first time. Romans 10, 9 says that if we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and we believe that he was raised from the grave, we will be saved. And so at Be Hope, we pray this prayer collectively as a church to help empower you to pray maybe for the first time that you're accepting Jesus into your life. So let's pray this together. Lord, I believe that Jesus Christ is the savior of the world, that he gave his life to forgive my sins and he was raised from the grave so that I may have life. I receive your grace by faith. Come into my life. I will follow you. Amen. 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 Amen.